Welcome to the Raiders Training Camp Podcast, presented by Pizza Hut. Live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, here are your hosts, Jesse Merrick and Eddie Pascal. And we are back with another edition of the Raiders Training Camp Podcast, Eddie Pascal and Jesse Merrick. And Jesse, I was thinking today as I as I drove in, I was like, we're coming off the off day, like, I hope we have something to talk about. <laughs> and man, we got a very busy day here at Raiders HQ. Uh, practice happened. We'll get to practice in a little bit. But let's just start at some of the most recent transactions this team made, beginning with Gerald McCoy. Yeah. He was back in the NFL after a 2020 uh, resting, recuperating, and he's back in silver and black now in 2021 doing his thing. So tell me this, and we're going to get to his number in a second too because I have some thoughts on poor <laughs> Gerald McCoy's yeah. number. But in terms of football stuff, what does he bring to this defense now? Oh, he's that guy that can come in and be the three-tech, you know? Uh, uh, and also, though, too, a lot of people were saying, I saw on Twitter when the move was coming out, people were like, oh, this must mean that Solomon Thomas hasn't been playing well or anything like that. Like, I, I don't necessarily think that that means that. I think he's that guy who comes in as a solid depth guy to continue to add to the depth. I mean, we talk about all that depth, depth, depth all the time with this team. Like, you can never have enough good players. And so you bring a guy like him in, he's a guy that can disrupt things, and that's what the three-tech needs to do. You're not necessarily going to be racking up huge, massive sack numbers, uh, he has, and I think he's averaged, I think, at least five, or he's had at least five sacks every year since 2012, which is not bad, especially for a reserve guy, because I don't think we come, we bring him in here expecting him to overtake a starting role or anything like that. I don't think that's the way that the Raiders even view it as well. So you come in, he's that guy, he's, he's twitchy, he's fast for a big man, he's got some wiggle to him, and you get in the backfield and blow up the play. That's what the three tech needs to do. You split the guard and tackle, get in the backfield as quickly as you can, whether that forces the quarterback to step up in the pocket if you don't get the sack, or you get the sack, or you get in there, and then you read the run and go ahead and make a play. And when I think of what Gerald McCoy is going to bring to this defense, and obviously we have a lot to kind of decipher and figure out about Gus Bradley's defense in 2021, but just looking historically at what Gus has liked to do, he rotates a ton of guys. Yeah. So regardless, of, like you said, if Solomon Thomas is having an incredible 2021 or not, whatever that is, Gus is going to want to have bodies a lot of quality bodies on that defensive line. And you look at Gerald McCoy, a guy who has gone to the Pro Bowl a lot, who has been an all-pro guy. There was, a, there was a time, and it was a bit, it was a little bit ago, but there was a time where he was the premier guy at his position. And you don't forget how to be no. the guy. Now, obviously, father time remains undefeated, and so I think the Gerald McCoy we're getting now is not the Gerald McCoy that walked into the NFL 11, 12 years ago. But as a depth piece, as a guy that is going to establish kind of the tone and the, what this culture needs to be, especially on that defensive line, I mean, you don't want to say, hey, it's a no-brainer to bring him in, but on paper it makes a lot of sense why John Gruden and Mike Mayock brought him here. It does. Look, you're not going to find six-time Pro Bowlers just walking around no. all the time. You know, that's not, very, that's not very common. So you get a guy like him that was also an All-Pro, I believe it was 2013, if I remember right. And again, to a guy, look, we know the, the Raiders like guys that were high picks with a lot of talent and things like that. He was number three overall. He's a guy that's, that's been there, done that, can show these other young D linemen what it takes, what it means to be a pro, work off of those experiences. And again, the competition factor, like I said it earlier, you can never have enough good players. The more you have, the more competition you create, and the more guys can learn from these dudes that have been here, done that. You know, and that's the thing that's really interesting to see, you know, how he plays in with the rest of this D-line and how that kind of works out and where he slots into the rotation. Yeah, and we've talked so much about kind of Klee this year and 2021 being a huge year for Klee. And now you have a guy like Gerald McCoy, a guy who can coach Klee up. Uh, you know, Solomon Thomas, another guy who's at his second chapter now trying to kind of put everything together. And we, from everything we've heard, he's going to put it together in a big way here in yeah. Las Vegas. But to add another veteran into that mix 
And I think there's such a difference between being like, hey, I've been in the league for 10 years, whatever, you know. And I've been in the 10 years, or I've been in the league for 10 years, and I've had a ton of success, like Gerald McCoy has. Yeah. Like, it's exciting to see what he's going to bring. The one thing, though, Jesse, the one thing, <laughs> Gerald McCoy seems like a man that we, we should give our respect and admiration to. He's done a lot in this game, has he not? He definitely has. I mean, he's earned it. He has. And I walked out to practice today, just like you, and I looked at our, uh, one of the fine gentlemen on our public relations staff, Cam, and I said, oh, Cam, what number is Gerald McCoy in? Cam goes to his roster. He goes, he's in 61. Blech. 61. <laughs> Why? Yeah, I don't know. Because I, mean, I, I had the same thought. I started looking at the roster. Like, all the good 90 numbers, they're all taken already. But I did hear that on Twitter. I didn't see this to myself, but one of the other media members was saying that someone started, you know, giving him some flack for like, oh, what are you doing wearing 61? And I heard that he said, first day, Working my way through it. So there could be something in the mix. Oh. He's 93. 93 what he wore in college and also throughout his career. So Kendall Vickers, he may be getting a payday or something. I don't know. Can we? Let's do a quick investigation. Yeah. Real quick. So I'm pulling out the roster here. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the roster as you hear me fumbling. <laughs> so what? do we have any 90 numbers available? I, if I remember right, I don't believe that we do. Oh, sir, you are correct. Yeah. We go from Hankins at 90 all the way to, all the way to Klee at 99. Oh. Yeah. So that's where I think, uh, I think Mr. McCoy is going to be digging into that pocketbook, trying to make a little something-something happen. All right, how about this? Let's not, next time we record this show is in two days, right? 48 yeah. hours? Does Gerald McCoy still wearing 61 the next time we get behind the mic? Ooh. I, I, purely based off of what, I, again, I didn't see it on Twitter. I just heard that this interaction happened on Twitter. Purely based off of that, I say no. I think he gets out of it. Because I think he clearly doesn't really want that number either. So he was just like, hey, day one, I'll take this 61 and look like an old lineman going through defensive lineman drills. But I, I think he changes it. We have one of the best equipment staffs in the NFL. Our Bob Romanski, who is literally an icon in this building across the NFL, in his now 50th season with the Silver Damn. and Black. Bob is an OG. Bob is a legitimate legend. Everyone down from him, incredible on our staff. I would just love to know the conversation that Bob or whoever it was had to have with Gerald (laughs) and be like, listen, dude, we got no 90s, but we do have 61 and how that interaction Oh, to be a fly on the wall for that, to see his face when they told him that would be priceless. Uh, The good thing, though, in all seriousness, though, Gerald McCoy comes into this situation now with obviously something to prove, but with fresh legs also. And I know that obviously you wish those legs were fresh, not because he was recovering from an injury. But nevertheless, when you get to his age, at any time you can take it. I mean, look at Gronk, right? I mean, you take a year off and you come back, you're bigger, better, faster, stronger, and obviously in his case, incredibly motivated to put your best foot forward. And the thing, too, like, look, it's it's never easy to come back from an injury. Like, let's not tiptoe around that. Like, it's tough. But at the same time, when you're coming back from an injury, you're rehabbing, you're constantly working. And a lot of times, whatever it was that happened to you, in his case, I believe it was the torn quad, it comes back stronger, you know, and you kind of, if you do it right, you work on the imbalances and make sure that everything around it is stronger. So you would hope and, and think that a guy like him who's been in the league for so long and suffered this injury and is like, hey, man, I'm going to come back bigger, better, faster, stronger because of it. And, and today, look, I'll be honest, like he actually looked pretty good too. I was expecting to maybe see some rust because, as you said, a guy just coming in off the street. But he looked good, had some nice wiggle for a guy that big. You know, they were working the hands with him and Rod Marinelli. You know, I, I think what we saw from Gerald was good today, and I'm really excited to see 
kind of how he continues to show what he's got. I mean, hey, one quick workout, and it was enough for the Raiders to say, let's get this rolling. And, and you know the thing that's going to be absolutely vital for Gerald McCoy is the preseason, those three games. I mean, I yeah. don't think you see a lot of 13-year vets that are like, hey, I really need this preseason. Gerald McCoy is going to need this preseason, not only to kind of get, get his legs back underneath him, but to show the staff, like, hey, I know I haven't played meaningful football since 2019, but I still got it. Yeah, I mean, it, look, sitting out that long without having, like, live game reps. Practice is one thing, but like being able to do it in a game where you're really in the heat of the moment, you got the adrenaline going, and guys are going full speed because at the end of the day, they're all trying to get a job. So doing that is going to be massive for him to be able to show what he could do, put that on tape, and say, hey, I'm one of these guys that needs to be here on this defensive line. As, as you said, Gus Bradley wants to roll out those waves, and he can put it on tape. So I'm curious to see how that looks against the Seahawks. And last thing before we move on, Gerald McCoy, just in general, is a 10 out of 10 name. Oh, yeah. Like, if, if, I, like, if my mom said, hey, I'm going to rebrand you as Gerald McCoy, like, sold. <laughs> Sign sold. me up. What a great name. Yeah, and his personality lives up to it as well. I don't know how much you Is he a big personality guy? Huge personality guy. Really good dude. Always kind of like fun-loving guy. He really likes Batman. That's like his thing. Oh, okay. And I believe if I remember right, he's got like a life-size Batman in his house. Because why not? Yeah. You and I were talking on the practice field, too. It's a shame that we can't get those big boys in the single digits, though. I know. Like, can we get Gerald McCoy in? What what single digits do we have? One or nine or something crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we can get him in nine. Yeah. Oh, no. So we can't Uh, get him in nine. Apologies. We can get him in. We can get him in two. Two. Two would be nice. Two on the big body, all stretched out. Like, that's going to look great. Oh, yeah. That's a space eater. (laughs) That is a space eater. Uh, But the Raiders weren't done with transactions, though. Gerald McCoy, obviously the big one. But literally just before you and I hopped in here to start, start recording the show, Another move for the silver and black. And this is one that kind of piqued my interest. Uh, as of earlier today, the Raiders signed running back Bo Scarborough, officially putting into existence that the Raiders have rebuilt the Alabama running back room from whenever it was, 2015, 2016. Yeah, they're running it back. I mean, there's much worse backfields to drop into than the Alabama backfield. I mean, you got Josh, you got Kenyon. Why not bring in Bo, the big body dude? I believe he's 6'1", 235, if memory serves me right. You know, a guy that can run behind his shoulder pads and, and be that guy that looked like, if we're being honest, they don't have anybody else like that. The next closest guy would be an Ingold guy, but he doesn't get a ton of carries. So you got Bo back there to be that north-south runner, stick your foot in the ground and go north and south and get some yards. So I'm real curious to see how they use him. You know, he's a guy that obviously has kind of been around a bit, but hasn't been able to stick anywhere. I, I want to know, and, and I'm excited to see tomorrow, you know, what he's going to look like out there on the field. I wonder what number he's going to be in because we're running out of numbers real quick. Yeah, we are. That's a, that's a that's a good one. I'm going to guess. I don't know. Somewhere in the 30s, you got the or you got yeah, the roster over there. What do we got, got in the 30s? Available. In the 30s, we have we have 30, 31, and that's it. All right, 30 or 31. I say he goes 31. That's a good looking number. That's yeah. not too bad. He's a guy that intrigues me for a lot of reasons, and I think that you look at now adding Bo Scarborough to this mix. You have a really complete running back room. Yeah. I mean, you have guys that can really do it all. You have Josh, who we know is a three-down back. Josh is an mm-hmm. absolute stud. You have Ingold. You got your fullback. You got Kenyon Drake, who's that perfect complement to Josh. You got Bo Scarborough now. We'll see what happens with Trey Regis over the next couple of weeks and or month. But it is a really, really complete room now. It is. You mentioned Regis. Like, he's a guy that's kind of shown a little bit of everything, too, in that room as well. But again, like I said, bringing in a guy like Bo provides something different. You don't have anybody else on your roster that runs like him. I mean, Groshek has, is a bigger guy, but and he's been working as a fullback at times with Ingold. I've seen him going through drills with him and all that. Again, you don't have anybody like Bo whose job is you stick your foot in the ground, you go put your face in that dude's chest and run him over. Like, that's Bo's game. 
And he's actually, honestly, like, I know I, I don't remember the 40 time. because I, So I worked in Alabama when Bo was out there when he was coming out. So I, I covered him, you know, in the whole draft process and everything like that. And I remember his 40 time was a bit underwhelming. But at the end of the day, you're not asking this dude to, you're not giving it to him on a toss and saying, hey, go beat everybody to the corner. Like, you're putting him north-south, you know, trying to say, hey, go run right into the guard's butt and destroy anybody that comes near you. So that's that's where I think it's going to be interesting and to see how Gruden uses a guy like that. We kind of got it at a Devontae uh, last year. And but turns, I mean, physically, Devontae and Bo are very different guys. Yeah, though. very, very much so. But more so, I mean, in the sense of like, you catch that ball, you mm-hmm. go north and south, you know, in that sense. And, and that's where like Bo's not going to do a ton of dancing or anything like that. Like he's going to go and try and run people over. So he essentially could be, you know, it's, it's third and two and we need two ugly yards. Yeah. Come on, Bo. Let's go, Big Phil. Like, give exactly. me those two and a half. And being six one, I mean, you fall forward and get those two yeah. yards. You know, that's that also helps. The measurables is a nice thing in a case like that when they come in a package like Bo. Did you cover us for that last Latavius Murray year? Mm, I don't that think might I have did. been right before. Yeah, I remember Be- Lat Murray as a as a Raider, but I don't think I was covering the team. Because I, I just think of him physically. I feel like him and Bo are, are pretty similar in, in what they do, right? Where Latavius mm-hmm. is, a, is a north to south kind of guy. Latavius was huge. I mean, I think Latavius was like listed at like 6'2". Like he was a yeah. big dude. But to your point, when he fell, he always fell forward. There are not mm-hmm. a lot of times where Latavius was taken down behind the line of scrimmage. And obviously he's had a very nice career since he left the Silver and Black, and Latavius is a really good dude, so we're happy for all of his success there. But I do look at Bo, and I'm like, I'm, I'm getting shades of Latavius circa 2016, 2017. Yeah, no, and I can see that for sure as well. And, and that's just, again, where you go back to like, okay, good. Yeah, Josh does a little bit of everything. And you've got Kenyon, who's more of that electric change of pace guy, give it to him on a toss, he'll beat guys to the edge. You flex him out, he'll play receiver. He can line up in the slot. He can do any of those different things, more of the the scat back type of guy in a sense. And then you do have Bo, whose job is, I'm going to be a running back and I'm going to take your face off, you know? He seems like such a Gruden guy, doesn't he? Just kind of that old school, Bama, high pedigree, like... I'm going to be a 1972 type of running back. You yeah. Know what I mean, he was, he was a lot of fun to watch at Alabama. You know, he was one of those guys you enjoyed it. Cause you're like, man, when he gets the rock, someone's getting trucked and, and it was fun to watch. You know, he's, he's, I mean, look, nobody's Marshawn, mm-hmm. but a little of that nastiness sure. to the way that he runs, you know, a, a bit upright as a runner for a guy, his size, but when he lowers that shoulder, it's, it's very interesting and it's, it's <laughs> physicality. It's finest. And you know, it's funny. That's the, the same thing I said about Latavius too. Upright yeah. runner, mm-hmm. you know, for for being a big dude, you got to figure out how to bring that pad level down yeah. a little bit. And I'm I'm excited. I think obviously over the next couple of days we'll have a better idea, a better you know better picture of what Bo's going to bring to this offense. But in general, man, what I take away from this is we are going to run the ball 75 times a game. Yeah, that's I mean, <laughs> that's what they said, right? They, Gruden said they want to run the ball. Even Foster Moreau said today, you know, they are a running team. They, you know, he's going to make his bread and butter being a run blocking tight end. So. They all know what John Gruden wants to do. He wants to line up in that 13 personnel and jam that ball down your throat. You had another back to the stable in the backfield there, and that opens the door to do it with a guy like this where you get into that heavy package and give him the rock and let him do his thing. Do your thing, big fella. Let's go. Today was kind of cool, a different kind of setup for us as we lift the veil of our little program. So usually I'm in a different viewing location for practice than you. Today, the stars aligned. We were all together, yeah. and I had a different kind of angle for the first time of camp uh, of what I usually see. Usually, I'm on the, you know, I guess it would be kind of the far field, and we were a little kind of more central today. But anyways, because of that, I got to see, have a much better vision of the one-on-ones between the wide receivers and the secondary, the DBs. And I thought Amik Robertson, well, the defense in general, I think, held up pretty well today. But Amik was a guy, granted, I haven't seen really up close for the past nine days, 
But I, I had no, wrote, wrote his number down in my notebook a few times. Like, oh, okay. Like, there's there's something here, no doubt. Yeah, and for reference for for everyone too listening, you know, like Eddie said, the way the practice field is set up, a lot of times, at least like for us media guys, we're kind of on what would essentially be like the baseline of the field, and the DBs and receivers are on the far end, opposite. So we don't get like a very great view of them. And our number one chance to see that is one when they go in team and seven on and stuff like that. But more so in one on ones because they do it where we can get right up in there and see it all. And the defense definitely had a day. Yesterday, Derek Carr, or not yesterday, day before, Derek Carr was talking some trash. He's like, have we lost the day yet in terms of the offense? Well, today the defense brought it. Ron Milas was chirping at him as well. A couple of guys were doing it. I believe Hobbs even got in on the action. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. And I love that, dude. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I tell people all the time, we're like, I would never be tough enough to play football. But if I played football, <laughs> I would be that trash-talking like corner, and I would just chirp. I would run my mouth for 60 minutes Heck every yeah. day. Regardless of if, if Calvin Johnson's across from me and he's going for nine catches for 400, doesn't matter. Yep, yep, yep. Here I come, baby. I'm not stopping. You have to. And that's the thing is like just I, I've noticed from throughout my athletic career, the short-lived one that I did have, and then just in covering you know sports in general, corners are always usually the loudest before, during, and after the play. Some receivers can do that as well, but for the most part, a lot of receivers I've come across don't talk until the deed is done. Corners never stop talking half the time. And it, it was fun to watch. It, it's, it's good when it's like that because you want it to be that competitive edge and things like that in one-on-ones. And today, you definitely saw that come out. Derek even accused them of playing zone down on the... And it, was a, it was a red zone one-on-one that they were doing. He was accused them of playing zone, which you just don't... You don't play zone in one-on-ones. But... It was a good time. Hobbs really showed out. He's shown in. Gruden has talked about him. The simple fact of like the experience that he's had working with Lovey Smith and what he's able to learn from a guy like that who's got an NFL pedigree as well. Um, a guy that's that played, I think, all four years at Illinois, and it's shown in the scheme and things like that. He's gotten some work with the ones, you know, throughout different points throughout camp and everything. As you mentioned, you know, they're gonna have to figure things out for the first couple games in the slot there. So. It'll be interesting to see kind of how he kind of continues to move along, but he was one of the guys that definitely impressed. And then Amik as well has shown flashes. I, I believe he almost came down with a pick. Either, it was either today or yesterday. It was today, so he was really close to one today where he jumped a rat. And yeah. I think it, we'd have to go to review, but knowing how review works these days, they yeah. probably wouldn't have given it to him. But yeah, he was really close on one. Mm-hmm. And so it, they played really well against these different receivers and stuff like that. So uh, it, that's encouraging to see because it is not just Oh, the offense wins everything. Oh, the defense wins everything. Like it was very much so a give and take, and you can see that intensity really ratcheting up. Because look, at the end of the day, like one on ones are fun. Like yeah. you know, if you're playing ball, like you love different things throughout practice and things like that. Team is fun. Seven on seven is fun. But like one on one, mano y mano, like let's go, let's do this. Like that's the stuff that people get really hyped up about, and that's where you really hear that uh, trash talking coming through. There's a winner and there's a loser. Exactly. There's not a lot of in between, right? There's yeah. not a lot of gray area in one on ones. And I, I think for me, it was a lot of fun today because you know we're sitting out there and I'm seeing Amik do his thing. I'm seeing Nate Hobbs do his thing. You know, everyone's kind of. I think our net had a few really nice plays as well, mm-hmm. but. I kept thinking about Amik where, in a lot of ways, it felt like Amik was kind of the forgotten man from that class last yeah. year. And I know he played. I know he had a few a few bright moments, but he had a few moments that he would like to have back. But if you can have Amik take a tangible step forward in 2021, if you can really be like, hey, this is the Amik we thought we were getting a year ago, I mean, I don't want to say it changes the entire face of your defense, but we talk about that depth. Yeah. You need to have guys that can like and cycle in, especially in this Gus Bradley defense. So it was very encouraging for me that he had another good day today. Well, and also to that note, like nickel, 
in this defense, but in the NFL today, is a very, very important position. Like, if you're able to have somebody that I mean, you're essentially part of the base defense. Exactly. Like, that's the way that it's become in, in today's NFL. And so if you've got a guy that can lock that down and not have to worry about it, and especially not only just in today's NFL, in this division, you're, you're facing KC twice a year. Like, they've got weapons all over the place. The you Chargers, got to to, too. Exactly. I mean, the Chargers are in a slot. Yeah. Well, yeah, now that with the Herbert and everything, the way he's been slinging it. So, I mean, you need people that can get down there in the slot and lock things down. And if Amik is able to take that big jump forward, that is a massive step. Because, then again, also he's a young guy, continues to kind of take his lumps and learn and grow. And that's where I think, again, we've gone back to this well so many times, so people may be tired of hearing about it. But, like, look, they did not have an off-season program last year. Now they've had this full one. They're going through a full true camp. And we're going to get preseason games where they can take live reps and make those mistakes in-game situations and learn from it and grow. And that's how guys like Amik and you know Hobbs and things like that, that's how they're going to continue to uh, you know progress throughout their career. And one guy that we really haven't talked all that much about, which frankly is probably a good thing, is Trayvon. Yeah. Trayvon has just been his stud on the outside, just being his studly self. And I think this is going to be such a big year for him. You know, we saw... With Trayvon, really, I felt like it started probably those last three or four games of his rookie year where something kind of clicked, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, okay. And then last year, we saw that another another step forward for him, and he has just been going about it, kind of like Colton, right? Yeah. Where it's not super sexy, it's not very flashy, but he has just been solid as solid can be. And year three, I think, is going to be a big one for Trayvon. I agree, because look, I mean, let's be honest. Last year, the defense was not good, but yeah. Mullen still played well with a lot of bad going on around him. You know, There were obviously plenty of stuff, like you said, that he'd like to have back, but as a whole... He played solid football, even though kind of the walls were caving in around him a bit at times. So I think you get a much better defense that's a lot more simplified, lets him do his thing and play in his true instincts in the way that he wants to get it done. And that's going to definitely help in terms of moving things forward for him and being surrounded by better players helps everyone. So it's going to take a lot off of his plate and allow him to concentrate more and more on kind of what he does and be that lockdown corner that the Raiders hope he can be. You know it's going to help that? Casey Hayward. Yes, being that in was his what ear, I was thinking. Being in his ear. Yeah. Like, hey, Trev, and I've done this at a really, really high level for a really long time. Yeah. Here's, here's a, kind of the tips of the trade and how we got to do it. But, you know, we've talked so much about this defense, and, and obviously we're going to keep talking about this defense because, <laughs> frankly, I think we know we got on offense. Yeah. I think that we, you know, we have a pretty good idea of what it's going to look like. Yes, there are going to be some wrinkles that we got to figure out over the next couple months, and I'm really excited to see the preseason for a lot of guys, mostly Marcus Mariota, shameless, uh, you know. Heck yeah. You know, I'll be honest, but hey, I can't wait to see the man play. For the people that haven't been able to come to practice and everything like that, like they've been using him a lot. Yes. A lot of running. Like We have seen Marcus Mariota get a lot of tread going in terms of running and things like that. It's very clear that he you know, has had the opportunity to get out there and Gruden has switched things up when he's in the game and called a completely different game. So I'm stoked to see him in the run game as well. And, and the thing is, is that I don't want to see any of Derek in the preseason. Derek, go break a sweat. We talked yeah. about this last week. Break a sweat. Chill on the bench. Sit down. Change into some street clothes, be the biggest cheerleader. I do not want to see Derek play a single rep in the preseason. And think about this. He didn't play at all in the preseason last year. Worked out pretty okay. I mean, yeah. I know there was no preseason, but he <laughs> will, he rolled right into week one, and it seemed to work out for all parties. But I think one thing that, and Will and I were talking about this, our public relations director, coming off of the off day, you always kind of worry a little bit about the energy, and are we going to come out sluggish? Is this going to be kind of a uh, 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 session, like not, not as crisp? And... I don't want to say it was the most crisp session we've seen from training camp, but I will say the energy, the chirping, yeah. all of that, very much there. And look, we're not here to glorify everyone being knuckleheads and, and getting in scraps, but we did have our first training camp fight today. Yeah, and look, at the end of the day, like, okay, 
kids don't fight. It's not a good thing. But in camp, it happens, you know, and that's that's something that you expect. Guys, these are these are highly competitive men going at it day in and day out. I mean, if if you're going against somebody and they're hitting you nonstop over and over and over again every day, like you're going to get into a fight. You know, families get in fights, brothers, sisters, brothers, brothers, all that stuff. Everyone fights. It's not a big deal. It happens. And you want to see that at times because, look, don't do anything dumb. Don't go punching someone's helmet yep. or breaking your hand or whatever it is. And don't look to injure somebody. But frustrations are going to boil over at times. And then it, you come back. And you're good on the next play. You know, a funny story about punching helmets is a couple of years ago, gosh, it must have been like 2017, 2018, whatever, one of the years Menelik Watson was here, and there was a big fight during training camp. Not, not with us, but there was a huge kind of brawl and, you know, the Vikings or whatever it was. Yeah. And I remember the players were talking about it, and I talked to Menelik. I was like, let me ask you something, man. Like, I'm not a fighter. Like, I'm a pretty small dude, but, like, I can't imagine that it makes a lot of sense to swing on someone when no. they're wearing a helmet. And he was like, dude, and he had this great, really thick British accent that I won't try to recreate, but he essentially <laughs> was just like, yeah, man, it's like, it's really dumb, you know, it's, you know, it's one of those things where nine times out of ten, you're going to end up hurting yourself more than you're going to hurt the other guy. Yeah. We don't want to hurt a teammate, all those kinds of things. Long story short, it doesn't make sense. Fighting in practice is no good, especially swinging out a helmet. And he goes, but then he, I remember he walks away and he looks at me, he goes, but... If someone says something to me that really upset me, he goes, <laughs> yeah, I'd probably swing at a helmet. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you do. It's like, look, we're also on the dog days of camp, right? We're about two weeks into this. Mm-hmm. I think these guys, I mean, I know we're coming off of an off day, but we're at the point now where it's like, what day of the week is it? You know, we now finally have the preseason, like, light slowly right starting. It's starting to twinkle. You can see it in the distance a little bit. But, man, it has been, it's been hot. The days have been long. And I think just as a human being, you get a little, you know, a little antsy seeing the same dudes in front of you every single day. Yeah, look, I, I'm surprised that this is as long as we've gone yeah, without having Yeah, candidly, me too, yeah. yeah. I thought we were going to at one point, uh, but right before they tossed the pads on, somebody got tossed and in a drill when they probably shouldn't have been. And I was like, okay, here we go. And it didn't happen. So, it, like, you got to rip the bandit off at some point, get that first fight in there. But again, it, this is usually probably about the time that it happens for a lot of different teams. I saw some video from some other ones as well that have happened. And it is because, like you said, these are the same guys. They're hitting each other over and over and over again. You see the same dude every single time. You see him walking around the halls, all this stuff. And, like, they're all, it's all good. Everyone's teammates and stuff. But eventually, like, you want to hit somebody else and you're kind of itching to get that. And when you don't get that, that's when those frustrations can boil over. And so it's okay that it happens. You don't want to see it all the time. You obviously don't want some big name guys involved in it. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see one more before they kick things off against the Seahawks. And the good thing is, like you said, we are going to have a game. We got a game a week from today, right? Today's Friday, right, Jesse? I yeah, know. yeah, I know. Today's the days Friday. kind of start to melt. Yeah, together. exactly. So in just about a week, you're, you're, these, this team's going to have a chance to look at someone that is not wearing a silver or, silver or black jersey. So yeah. there is light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, and we're going to talk about in just a second about kind of some stuff that happened after practice today. Mm-hmm. We heard from a handful of Raiders, including one that I know a lot of people have been waiting to hear from for quite some time. But before we do that, let's just hear a quick message from our pals at Pizza Hut. The $10 Tastemaker from Pizza Hut. Stuck in traffic? Just think of all the delicious meat and veggie combinations. Whoops, got a little distracted there. Large, up to three toppings, just 10 bucks. No one out pizzas the hut. Deal not available in some locations. Exclusions apply. And we are back with the Raiders Training Camp Podcast, and we talked about everything that happened on the field today, Jesse. But now let us shift to what we heard in the press conferences today. And we heard for the first time... I mean, since last year, but since his announcement, we heard from Carl Nassib today. Yeah, we did. And it was a bit unexpected. You know, I had heard rumors here and there that he may come out and everything. And I think for him, it was a nice, it was good. You could tell he was a bit nervous going up there because who wouldn't be? Yeah, you know, after something like that. Um, But he said that, like, 
He wanted to just get it done, wanted to get the press conference done and move on. And he's excited for the future. Like he, he seemed as it went on, he got more and more relaxed and realized that like this is just him. He, he seemed like a guy that was able to rip that Band-Aid off and be himself. He did say, you know, the first couple of days his body felt like jello, you know, that he was like feeling all over the place. And he's like, day by day, it's gotten better and better and better. And another thing that really stood out to me is one of the guys asked him, what the reception has been like from the teammates and things like that. And without even hesitation, he said, I never was worried about that. There was zero stress about how it would be interpreted by that. He was like, you know, football players get a bad rap. They're hardworking, lunch pail guys that are very accepting. And, and I, that's something that I've come across a lot as well. I, I think a football locker room is a lot more accepting than many people believe it to be. And it's clear that he's got a good group of guys around him here with the Raiders. So that was nice for him to be able to do that. And again, just the relief. He even said, he's like, I didn't think it would be that big of a deal. You know, and it's like, obviously it is because there has been no player that has come out before. But at the end of the day, like, I think we all need to adopt that same mindset that like, hey, it's not a big deal. And once we get there, I think that's where we're going to be in a lot better place where guys will feel more comfortable to do these type of things. A thousand percent. And it's, uh, you know, it's interesting where Kirsten and I were on our honeymoon when Carl did his announcement. And so I was texting with Will and we were kind of going back and forth. And, you know, I've, there's so many people that were, you know, hitting us. Sure the same thing happened to you where, oh, man, this is crazy. Yeah. Yada. And I was telling Kirsten that night at dinner, I was like, all the love and support in the world for Carl. I can't imagine the, the bravery, the courage it takes to be him and to say, hey, this is who I am. 100%. Love me, hate me. But this is who I am. But I'm with you where I just I look forward to the day. And God, I hope it's a lot sooner than later mm-hmm. where this isn't news. Yeah. You know, where it's just like, this is Carl. Carl's gay. All right, cool. And we move on. So what? Let's yeah, go play some exactly, football. Like exactly. You know, and that was one thing he had said, too. He's like, you know, for him, uh, before he came out to his family and friends, you know, it was tough. But he's like, I've been out to my family and friends for such a long time. Mm-hmm. It's normal. He's like, the big difference is I just don't have to pretend when I come to work anymore. And hearing that to me, like, that's... It's kind of heartbreaking, right? Yeah, because it's like, you know, you come in and especially like, look, this isn't a normal nine to five job where you come in, you clock in, you do your job, you take off. Like this is a place where guys are around each other so much. They're fighting through the trenches. They're, you know, a lot of times you hear guys say like, these are my brothers. And for a while to not feel comfortable enough to to do it and to come out. And it, I don't think that it was anything to do with the Raiders or anything like that, that he didn't want to do it there or his teammates, maybe how it would be interpreted. I think it's more so just the world and being an NFL player, maybe having that pressure, you know, to think that you have to be a certain way or that it's not okay or all this stuff. That would be really tough. And so for him to be able to do that and just 100% be himself. I've had friends that have come out to me before and it's like they they be, seem just so much more free. And that was what he had said. Like, you know, he initially felt kind of like Jello, and then is relaxed and he's doing his thing. He's playing ball. Like at the end of the day, he's a football player. Yeah, and look, I root for every single guy on this roster. Right? Yeah. Like, I am invested, mm-hmm. right? I My life is a lot more fun and a lot easier <laughs> when we're winning football games. And so I, you know, I pull for every, you know, we got 90 guys on the roster now. I'm going to pull for all 90 of these guys. I'm going to pull for all 53 when we get when we get down to cutdown day. But I'm going to be pulling extra hard for Carl Nassib this year, man. Just everything that he has gone through, like I said, have the courage to just be like, yo, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm Carl, man. This is me. I'm an incredible football player. And this is who I am. Yeah. And it's just, it takes so much. Like I can't, I said it earlier, I can't imagine kind of the courage, the thought process, the, the mental, like the preparation to get ready yeah. to do that announcement. I can't even imagine, I can't even begin to like fathom what that's like. So I'm glad that Carl had his moment today, kind of speak to what he wanted to speak about, mm-hmm. to own it and be like, hey, 
Let's go play football now. Yeah, and and it was really refreshing too within the press conference when real football questions were asked. Yeah, you know, and that was. I'm great. sure that was. I'm sure he very much appreciated yeah. that as well. Oh yeah, and they were sprinkled in throughout everything. You know, obviously we went back to the announcement and everything like that, and kind of what it's been like. But throughout it, sprinkling in football questions and things like that, and just hearing him talk about football, you could see his body relax even more too. Where again, he's so happy to have because look, the initial time that he talks is going to be a massive deal, and that's what 99 percent of the questions are going to be about from here on out. It's all football, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the thing is that's what he wants it to be. And, and I think that's great. Let's talk about Carl, the football player. Yeah. So we bring in Gerald McCoy. Mm-hmm. We got Klee on the inside. I mean, realistically, there, look, there were parts of 2020, like Carl had, had moments that were really nice. There were also a few moments where he was a healthy scratch for games. So when we look into 2021, realistically, for Carl Nassib, what are we hoping that he brings to the table? Well, I mean, hey, look, they brought him in on the big contract uh, last year and everything, and it was a year that maybe didn't quite work out for many different reasons. We could dive into that. But I think for him, he comes in, goes back to being the guy that he was more so with the Bucks uh, when he played with Gerald McCoy, actually. Oh, that's right. And that was one thing he talked about is how much he loves playing with a guy like Gerald McCoy and all that stuff and, and the, you know, the camaraderie that they have from playing with each other. So for him, man, he's going to be that guy. Like, he's a big dude. I don't he's think, huge. yeah, people don't realize, I don't think, just how big he actually is. Like, when he goes out there, you're like, wow, okay. Like, you see Ngakwe, you see Max. They're both long, rangy type guys. Well, Carl's like long, rangy and big. Like, you can tell he's gotten bigger in the offseason. I'd be curious to see... You know, what his, obviously at this point in his NFL career, you're not going to make any drastic changes weight-wise. But I don't know. He, he comes back and he's, he looks bigger to me. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. We I'm have him sure. at 6'7", 275. Yeah, like that's a big that's dude. That's a big boy. Yeah. And so he's that guy that can kind of do a bit of everything. He's not going to be your pass rush specialist. He's not going to be your run blocking specialist. Like he does a little bit of everything good. And that's where you're going to see him come in on that second wave and start to use that. And then again, with the other guys that they have along the defensive line, I think that that second unit to me seems like more of a, a, a well-balanced group in terms of all the guys that they have. Whereas, you know, your first group, each of those guys has a defined role. That's what they're going to be. You know, Max and uh, Unique are going to be your, your pass rushers. You're not expecting a ton from them in the run game. And then you move inside, you got Big Hank, and then you've got uh, Quentin Jefferson. You know, those are the guys that are going to be more of the true D-tackle, whether it's three-technique, whatever it is, they're going to do that role very well. But then you move to the second grouping, and that is where I think you have a lot more guys that kind of do a little bit of everything, and it's a more balanced line. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of, you know, you look at all these great NBA teams, right? And your second unit, and it's just the fun unit. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the guys that, hey, so-and-so could come in and drop 40 tonight. He might do it. Mm -hmm. Who knows? You know, this guy, he plays really good defense, but he can get really hot from three. It kind of reminds me of that where, like you said, there's not that super, you know, your role A, your role B, your role C. It's a bunch of dudes who can do a lot of things well. And, hey, let's go out there see what we can do. Yeah, let's roll the ball out there and go play. Yeah. That's the way that I kind of see that second grouping as well. And and it'll be interesting to me kind of seeing – not just the the second D-line, but the second defense as a whole, mm. kind of how they're all out there and how that plays out to the second and third level as well. Because I think it will have a much different look. Obviously, they're all running the same scheme, but it's going to impact how things move behind them and everything like that. But yeah, specifically with that second grouping, I think it is going to be a lot more balanced type of deal where you see each of them taking on more of those roles. And you know, I think there's a, a bit more, I don't want to say athleticism, but it just seems like the athleticism is a little more balanced. Like it's it's not your again, like I said, your set. You're the big guy. You're going to eat space. You're yeah. going to be there. That three technique that jumps into the backfield. Like each of them brings a little bit more to the table, balance wise. And you know, going to be real interesting to see throughout the course of the game who does pop. Because like you said, one guy could go off for forty. And that's where I look at this depth. Is 
you know, you could look at this. Maybe everybody on the team kind of, there's nobody that has that like crazy stat, sack numbers or something like that. Whereas it's more balanced, kind of the wealth is spread around and everybody's got it. And I think at the end of the day, Raider Nation would take that if it works in more sacks and things like that coming to them, you know, uh, this year. So I'm I'm curious to see how the how things are spread out a bit more there because you do have so many more guys that can do a bit of everything on that second grouping. And no disrespect to anyone that was on this defense a year ago, but you look at this second unit defensive line in 2021 yeah. compared to the one in 2020, and Candelite is night and day, right? I mean, you have a bunch of different guys this year who we say could do a bunch of different things. And last year, it felt like, you know, and you and I have, have had this conversation a bunch, but when you looked at the defensive line last year, okay, you had Max, you had Klee, and what else did you have? I mean, you had a bunch of guys who were, who were busting their tail, who were giving 110%, Yeah, but I don't know if you had that pedigree that you do now in 2021 with this team. Yeah, I think now you have more so the guys that are on the threes, you had that kind of grouping coming in on the twos. You know, and that's where bumping that down does so much to help you out, especially when you're going to roll out waves and you are going up against the the top offensive line of the team that you're playing against, whereas you've got those dudes that could be starters on other teams coming in your second unit. That's where you're really going to get these tackles and these guards and centers and all that stuff when they're a bit more worn out and things like that, where you can get to the quarterback or disrupt the run and things like that. So it, it is just a better way to balance things out. And And I am curious, I think, honestly, I could see it more of a, a two-and-a-half wave, mm. in a sense, where they're dipping down into guys that get work with the threes but do get bumped up in there to to work with the twos a bit more in terms of that rotation as you bring in the second wave of guys. Because I think wholesale so far we have seen it is a bit like a hockey line change where they switch out all four guys, bring in all four of them fresh. But I think over the course of the game, I think we'll see more guys sprinkled in throughout there. You know, And that's where, again, first preseason game, you're probably not going to see a ton of max and a ton of unique but you're going to get a lot of looks at some of these other guys. And one guy we'd never really talk about much is Malcolm Kuntz. And yes. he's a guy that's shown a great, yes. great knack for rushing the passer. Another guy, and I don't know if I'm saying this correct, so if you know, tell me. Is Hit it me. Jerry or Gary? Uh, Green is his last name? I, be- I believe it's Jerry. See, I've I heard other people say I've heard both. Um, so yeah. Who knows? So I'm Apologies, going Mr. Green. Yeah, sorry, man. But he's another guy that's really flashed to me. And I've seen him get work on the twos and threes kind of all around the place. But he's shown a lot of explosiveness off the edge. So that's where I'm like, man, there's there's other guys that impressed me so far down the lineup where you're like, the more that they continue to roll these guys out, like the more they're going to keep getting it, guys. So I, I, I'm curious to see how that kind of battle develops for the guys on the bottom of the, the D-line in terms of their spots there. And Gus Bradley does not strike me as the kind of guy who's going to be very locked into, oh, the ones have to get X amount of reps. Yeah. The twos have to get X amount of reps. Like he seems like... Obviously, he's an incredibly intelligent dude. And he seems like the kind of guy if, like, hey, if Malcolm Kuntz is playing out of his mind, if he's yeah. just in one of those Steph Curry zones, let the young fella go out there and let's play around him. You know, let's work around him. Let's mix things up. Let's be nimble. Let's be flexible. Let's just go get the quarterback. And if you're a fan of this team, that is all you want. That is all you've been asking for for so many years. Please, go get Pat Mahomes. I don't care who does it. I don't care if it's Eddie. I don't care if it's Jesse. I don't care if it's Donald Penn that we sign as the defensive tackle. Someone, please go get him. Go put him on the ground. And that was one thing that uh, Derek mentioned just in terms of talking about uh, Merrig. When uh, he had a good uh, play in, in one-on-ones, he was like, you know, I want to see him stop him and bat down those passes against Mahomes. Like, that's what everybody wants to yeah. see. <laughs> they want to see, in this case, Mahomes end up on his butt, courtesy of one of the D linemen that comes through the swing. So, yeah, at the end of the day, when you're, when you're doing what the Raiders are doing on defense in terms of retooling this and trying to get back to 
at the very least, that middle-of-the-pack area. It doesn't matter who it is. And Gruden said it about the secondary because of how many high picks they have in there. He's like, I don't care whether you are a first-round guy or an undrafted free agent. If you can get the job done, we're going to put you out there. And that's the case for this entire defense. Speaking of things that we want to see, we want to see this beautiful stadium, don't we, Jesse? We want to get back in Allegiant. And Jesse and I, we are going to be there on Sunday this weekend, right? Yes, sir. Once again, what are days? We will be there on Sunday this weekend to watch the Silver and Black go through. It's essentially, it's a practice, but really what it is is a chance for them to get familiar with the stadium, to go through kind of the mock of a game day. Yeah. at home, right? So we're going to hear from Coach Gruden in the press conference room. It'll essentially look and feel kind of like a game, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there won't be a game being played. But it's so like, like I feel like, especially for the young guys, it's so valuable just to get in there. And so the first time that you're playing you know, a meaningful, quote-unquote, meaningful game yeah. isn't going to be week one or the preseason. Like You're going to be able to familiarize with yourself with the space. And very selfishly for us, we get to take the show on the road, and we're going to be out with the people. It'll be great. We do. I can't wait for it. And it is valuable in the sense you mentioned, you know, the getting the young guys out there, the, the lay of the land and everything. But I'll, I'll never forget last year, you know, when everybody went in there for the stadium practice and seeing everybody's eyes light up, looking around, things like that. So for the young players that haven't been in there yet or maybe have, but only as like a tour, that's going to be huge. And we're also going to have fans in the building yes. for that, from what I understand. So to be there and get Raider Nation in there, I don't know how many people are going to be allowed in there, but to get fans in there, to be able to hear what it's like with the murmur of the crowd and everything like that and get people riled up, like that's going to be huge for the players and the young guys specifically to be able to get that, you know, oh, wow, look at this brand-new, beautiful building that we get to play in. Like there's not going to be any of that like googly-eyed stuff on game day after you've been in there, you put some work in. So this is going to be big for the preseason as well. But I, I can't wait to get in there and just experience Allegiant again. It's been too long. And credit to Gruden and the staff because it feels like the timing of this is perfect. You're going to be just over two weeks into camp. Everyone needs to change the scenery. Heck yeah. Right? All the, if, I, if me and you need to change the scenery, then these players for sure need to change the scenery. So it is going to be a blast. We'll be out there at Allegiant later this weekend. I cannot wait to hear cr- like a crowd again, like you said, mm-hmm. to hear people getting amped up. Because even, look, you know as well as I do, when these guys are going through one-on-ones, when they are just going through their position drills, it's not the most exciting thing in the world. No. But you throw fan, you throw crowd noise behind that, I'm in. Heck Let's yeah. do it. It'll be so much better. Yeah. It's like, look, if you watch like the TV on mute or something, or yeah, you're watching yeah, yeah. a movie or something, and then you turn on, there's some music behind it. It's like, whoa. Or like going on a run without any music. I'm like, not that much of a psycho. Yeah, that's torture. <laughs> you know? Oh. But you toss some tunes in, and you can go even longer, even further. So that's where I think we're going to see the intensity ratcheted up big time by getting in there. I mean, and we get to see not only the fans, but the speakers, the acoustics of that place, and they really get the music going. Like, that was one thing I remembered last Last year is getting the music going in there too. It kind of gets you like, oh man, and just simply being in the stadium adds a different level to it as well. A thousand percent. And it's going to be so much fun just to feel that energy to, like I said, have a change of scenery and we will be there this weekend. It is going to be a lot of fun. And before we get out of here though, always beware of the guy or gal at the gym that has no headphones, (laughs) that has nothing. Savages. They're just them and their thoughts. That is not someone you uh, you want to mess with. No, especially the dude get... like on the squat rack doing yeah. that. That's like got all kinds of plates on the side. You're yeah. like, all right, this guy's a psycho. Yeah, give him his space. Yeah, he needs. He's working some Just stuff out. Just being your thoughts he's, over yeah. there. He's working some stuff out. <laughs> we'll catch you next week, fella. All right, so Brady Pascal, Jesse Merrick, our pal Alexandra behind the glass, my man Ray on the ones and twos, and everyone else at Silver and Black Productions. Uh, we thank you deeply, humbly, and oh so sincerely. And Jesse, Allegiant Stadium this weekend. Let's do it. Let's go. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Raiders Training Camp Podcast presented by Pizza Hut. To stay up to date on all the latest with the silver and black, download our mobile app and subscribe to the Raiders Podcast Network. 